Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's 1232 in Edmonton. Uh, I guess we had, uh, we'll have a news update for sure for you at 1 o'clock with Eileen Bell. Uh, you can text us at any time on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. This text comes in. Man, it's right in my wheelhouse. Hey, Bob, great show as always. Well, you lied. That's good. Uh, just curious about, uh, it's from Drew in West Kelowna. Uh, curious about why you're constantly updating the testing numbers but not putting out other comparisons to other provinces. Doesn't Alberta have close to three times the number of cases with BC with Alberta having a smaller population? Certainly testing is important, but should the focus not be a little bit more on prevention so that Alberta can bring the cases to catch up with some other provinces? Just my perspective from Drew in West Kelowna. Drew, that is a, a, a fair text. Uh, what I would say to you is given uh, the asymptomatic nature of COVID, the fact that the province of Alberta is testing at two to one the rate per capita as British Columbia indicates that the numbers might be skewed a bit into keeping BC's COVID-19 uh, positive test totals down. It only makes sense. Uh, so to put things in perspective, and here's the latest update, Oh, this would be a bad time for the computer to freeze. Basically, BC is around 2,100 positive tests. In Alberta, the last time I checked, is at about 5,700 positive tests. But Alberta's done 161,000 tests. BC has done 89,000 tests. BC's got 5.1 million. Alberta's got about 4.4 million. So when you do the actual uh, amount of tests per million, Alberta's at twice the rate of British Columbia in terms of testing. So if BC was testing at the same rate of Alberta, is there, since Alberta's testing at twice the rate of BC, is it not logical to think, again, given the asymptomatic nature of uh, COVID, that BC would have more than 2,100 positive tests, maybe a lot more, maybe in the 3,500 range, maybe in the 4,000. That is a possibility. BC needs to be credited. They had an initial outbreak at an old age home in Lynn Valley in North Van, um, and they've done a pretty good job uh, mitigating against things moving forward. BC still has more deaths uh, than the province of Alberta. BC is at, and it's not a competition. This is just, take the stats for what they're worth. So, uh, by the way, BC, 2,145 positive cases, 112 dead. Alberta has 95 that have passed away from COVID, and Alberta's up around 5,700 uh, positive cases. But again, you're, you're comparing apples to oranges in terms of the test uh, totals for the two provinces. Um, now, theories as to why BC might have more dead than Alberta? Uh, older population, for one, absolutely would have to merit serious consideration. Um, a lot more international flights 
probably affected things out of the gate for the province of BC. I'd actually probably argue, given the challenges that are existing currently in Cargill and southern Alberta, that BC's probably ahead of Alberta. But Edmonton is much like the province of Saskatchewan currently in terms of where they're testing at and those sort of rates. And speaking of Saskatchewan, we're going to head off to Saskatoon and we're going to welcome to the show from NHL Hockey on Rogers, Drew Remenda. Hello, Drew. How are you doing? I'm good, Bob. How are you? I'll tell you what, I will just say this. I have always said, and you know this is true, never argue with Bob Stoffer when it comes to numbers. And memory of what happened on the ice at what game, whenever. Those are the two areas I never argue with Bob Stoffer. Nobody crunches numbers like you do. Nobody. So I think I'll you're right s- in what you're saying. I think, you're, I think your logic coming out of it. The thing is, if you're going to crunch numbers, which is great, but your logic coming out of that, you're being able to come up to with a, with a resolution of, oh, this is what I think these numbers tell us. You do a very good job. At, and I think you're right in the money there. Well, and, and here's the about. thing. If, if – it was an NDP. If it was a conservative government in BC that had tested at less than half the rate of an NDP government in Alberta, <laughs> I believe that I believe social media would be lit in that regard. Okay, I genuinely believe they would. But instead, there's and, and again, I I do honestly believe BC's probably ahead. Just because of the challenges in southern Alberta right now at the meatpacking plants, they're probably ahead of where the province of Alberta as a whole is. But Edmonton's in a really good spot, and it should be stated, the interior of B.C. is in really good shape. They're in yeah. good shape. Edmonton and Red Deer are in really good shape handling this. Saskatchewan, and, and I, I, you know my feelings on Saskatchewan, right? When it comes to players, Drew, you never go wrong with play, players from a place that starts with S. Sweden and Saskatchewan, <laughs> right? Like, I look at Saskatchewan and I think people from Saskatchewan tend to have reason, logic, and they usually work pretty hard. Um and Saskatchewan obviously has got the ball rolling on the return. You're doing radio every day in Saskatchewan. What's how's this deba- how's this debate go? Because I think at times it's a little bit generational. Like well, maybe yeah, there's people. Doubt. Do you do you agree with yeah. that? Yeah, without doubt. And it and it is. It's also um, it's it's also political leaning. Um, you know, Saskatchewan is a very conservative um, area, and the there are more people that want to get the economy going again, want to let's get try to get life back to normal as, as soon as we can. Let's see what we can do. Now, Saskatchewan's reopening. They started their, their, uh, their soft opening today. So to their, their uh, um, doctors, dentists, uh, physiotherapists uh, are opening this week also. Um, they're, they're allowing boat launches and fishing will start up next week, golf, things like that. Um, they're trying to get in businesses, trying to get things back to normal. But it's a very conservative, older, older base that um, wants to see this happen. And when you're hearing from a younger, younger demographic, they would like everybody to stay in place. They like everybody to keep stay quarantined. Uh, they're a little bit more fearful of, of what the future is is bringing. But that that's what you have to balance. This whole thing is about balancing fear and balancing life. You, you know, we all. We all want to get back to normal. We all want to get back to, you know, the economy working. We want to get back to having people. And when I hear, when I hear, you know, essential jobs versus non-essential jobs, geez, Bob, all jobs are essential. It's essential that 
we provide for our families. And uh, if you can't work, you can't do that. So that's kind of the way the majority of people anyway that phone up and listen to talk radio, as you know, are a little bit older and a little bit more conservative, and they will they will listen to that and they'll agree with you. But, you know, you're talking about, about the numbers and you're talking about, you know, testing and things like that. That's another thing. If You, you have to really search around. You have to really look around to find um, neutral thinking uh, pieces, ne- neutral, objective articles of journalism that don't slant one way or the other politically. And that's not easy. <laughs> no, say, no, right? no, I mean, 100%. I mean, the Washington Post uh, was considered one of the great bastions of uh, journalistic ethics. They've won multiple Peeler surprises. Jeff Bezos now owns that. Yeah. Right? And so yeah. is there an agenda there, or shall we say a derivative company of his, you know, bought it from the Grems back in 2013? Uh, I don't know. All I all I know is it's this, this is, unfortunately... COVID, we'll, the inevitability of the situation is that it is going, it's already been politicized. We know that. I, I mean, I provide those yeah. numbers because Edmonton is in a different position than the rest of Alberta, and that's going to take us to our next point, Drew. Uh, yeah. We had Bill Daly on, and we have texters, and, and here's this, I like having a wide range of opinion, and I don't yeah, I expect you, everybody... You don't shy from that. And I don't expect people to think... You don't have to think like me. That's fine. And sometimes if you can provide me with a different perspective on something, I'll go, hey, there's that that makes some sense. And maybe it, and it's not that I'm just going to dig in. It's just I think you have to be open-minded. Um, yeah. We do get texts, Drew, and we're going to have this conversation at 1 o'clock from people are saying, nope, they should just shut the season down right now. No more hockey. That's it. Nothing. And we do get texts like, and then we get other people are saying, on completely at the other end of it, saying, "You're taking away my personal freedom. This is a version of totalitarianism. We have to stop this." I would think there has to be a middle ground. What would be your pers- like from your perspective? What do you think is a requisite course of action for the NHL to be taking in this situation? I think they're doing exactly what they should be doing right now. They're, they're. I think they've been terrific, I, and I get, I get really. I'm getting tired, Bob, and 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 irritated when I keep hearing Mr. Batman and Mr. Daly and the NHL getting criticized for doing their jobs. Their job is to get the game on the ice. Their job is to get the product out there, and they're they're not giving up on anything. They're they're being prudent. They have Mr. Batman and and Mr. Daly have already sent out tons of different scenarios. They're determined to get the game back on the ice. And why is that such a bad thing? Why is that such a harmful thing? Why is it? Why are people so mad at them for doing their jobs? That is what they are supposed to do. They're trying. They're supposed to look at all scenarios. They're not jumping the gun on anything. They're not ignoring the science. They're not ignoring the medical advice. They're looking at all the scenarios. They are trying to go with lockstep in with the rest of the, the the country in Canada and the U.S. and trying to make sure that we're moving at the right pace. But they're putting different scenarios out there. And one of the scenarios is. The neutral site game, or I'm sorry, the the four different cities that would right. hold all, hold the games, and Edmonton being one of them because you just cited the numbers. Edmonton is a very good situation when it comes to COVID-19, and it comes to um, the hospitals. It comes to how they can keep everybody quarantined, how they can make sure that everything's centralized with the hotels and and the rink. 
connected to each other. There's a lot of good things that the NHL is looking at. And I think the NHL is doing the right thing by saying, this is what we're looking at. We're determined we want to get this done. We're determined we want to award a Stanley Cup. And then we're determined we want to have an 82-game schedule next year. That's what they should be doing. We're talking about a multi-billion dollar industry. And we're talking about an industry that employs a lot of people, not just on the ice or in the dressing rooms, but broadcasters, people in the stands, um, people in concessions, security, every, everywhere. It's a big cottage industry that goes with the NHL. So to criticize the NHL and to say, shut it down. What are you guys doing? You're stupid you're not to, to just shut it down right now. No, to, not to give up on something when you don't have to give up on it. Being prudent and looking forward and thinking, okay, here's some different scenarios we are looking at, including when do we call it? When do we shut it down? I think they're doing all the right things, and I think they're being really smart about it. Um, and it, like I said, I get really ticked off when people are saying um, and criticizing the NHL for Mr. Bettman and Mr. Daly and the NHL says doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. I guess I'd pose this question differently to our listeners right now. How many of you are employed um, in private industry or, for that matter, are employed in pu- – because there are some public industries that have uh, – not pu- you know, public uh, entities that have been uh, significantly cut. People have been laid off uh, or scaled back. or and, I mean, you know the situation with the Oilers Entertainment Group. Like, basically yeah. everybody that's working has been cut uh, to a certain extent. I would think that anybody that, that's in a business – uh, that's got a CEO out there, I would think that they would be hoping that their CEO or the people that re- are running the respective businesses from a public sector perspective were relentless in planning moving forward for the future. 100%. Right, like, but I don't. 100%. I, you know, I got to tell you, I got the feeling sometimes that there's some individuals that just want to cash the chips in and throw their hands up in the air and say, "Now, ah, there's absolutely nothing we can do about this, and forget it, and we'll just shut her down for the next eight months, next year." And which is not the other one that I find interesting, Drew, is we can't do anything until we have a vaccine. And I'm not just talking hockey here or, or yeah. you know, events where there's lots of fans at, like concert and sport. I'm talking several different industries. We can't do anything until I have – well, who's who the hell's suggesting there's – are we going to get to the point where we have a vaccine? Well, here's, here's the thing. Okay, you might get a vaccine, but are you going to put the vaccine through the, the, the testing that you need to put it through to, in order to make sure the vaccine is safe? That's the other thing. I, I, President Trump has said by, by the end of the year, they'll have a vaccine. But what kind of testing will it go through? I watched a really interesting documentary last night on Netflix about COVID-19. And it was strictly, it was really good because it was, it was just gave you the facts. Um, there wasn't any, there wasn't any slant to it left or right or, or, you know, this is the end of mankind type of thing. It was just really well done. J.K. Simmons, uh, the great actor, was the narrator. And, there are people, there, there are science and doctors and, and are working on vaccines feverishly. It's one of the things this, this, they interviewed a lot of epidemiologists, a lot of microbiologists, talking about how everybody's just chipping in to try to make sure they can come up with a vaccine. But one of the doctors on this warned that just because we have a vaccine doesn't mean that we can just administer it right away. You've, you've got to put it through rigorous testing to make sure that the, the cure isn't worse than the actual virus itself. So I, in order to, this, this thing is around. This is one of the things the documentary said last night, but this is, this is, this COVID-19 strain is one of nine COVID-19 strains that they know of out there right now. SARS was one, MERS was one, it attacks the respiratory system. Now, the, the thing about it is 
this this virus will stay with us because it doesn't kill the host right away. The, the worst viruses are the ones and ones that don't last very long are the ones that kill the host right away and they, they don't last. So what has happened now is that there's this virus is going to stick around. I heard a microbiologist say that maybe 60 to 70 percent of the world population will get it. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's the end of mankind. What it means is that we can probably get antibodies out of that, figure out what the best way of and course of action is. So when I when I hear about the vaccine, we've got to wait till the vaccine. Well, how can the economy and how can how can anything survive for the next five six months without 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 us going back to work, without the economy having some sort of of a restart? It's we're we're probably going to get it, and probably we're probably going to get sick out of out of it. But majority of us will not die from it. That's anyway. That's that's what I was watching last night. I thought it was really interesting. But to wait for a vaccine, I think is. Boy, that's a long way away, and there are no guarantees there. We're joined right now by Drew Remenda, Bob Stauffer with you. Uh, Drew, you spent all that time in the U.S., obviously a little bit different perspective here in Canada. Uh, you know, yeah. one of the things the Americans have, have exported around the world is freedom. Uh, yeah. and, and, and again, I'm, I'm sort of in the middle on this. You know you know that. Like, I'm not a there, – there's some way out to the left that would suggest no way, nobody worked, nobody do this, and others wait maybe to the right that are freedom and you can't trust any governments internationally and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a, a middle zone. So I'm hoping – I'm hoping we can find – a solution uh, moving forward, and, and hopefully sooner rather than later. But I am pragmatic. Yeah. On, on that, you. on that note, if we don't get a resolution to the season, and we might not be looking at the start of the 2021 season until December, January, then has Leon Dreisaitl, in your opinion, won the MVP if we don't start up again this year? By a long shot, to me, by a long shot. I, I was. Um, yeah, let's go back, Bob. Let's go back about about this Leon Dreisaitl discussion. Um, I remember sitting in the hotel in Arizona, and we were having the discussion. I think it was, I think we were in Arizona, and Leon was um, in Bakersfield. It was early in the season, and uh, no, I, and we were having the discussion about Leon being in the minors. And I was a big proponent of Leon being in the minors. I was that good. That's going to be good for him. It's good for him to go down there and get that. Uh, I cited Detroit. I cited Nashville about how they yeah. get their players to develop and be ripe on the line and pick them off. You were a guy who said, no, he should be up here. He's good enough and he should be up here. And we had that argument. And you were a bigger proponent about Leon's ability than I was at the time. I didn't think, I thought Leon was good. I didn't know he was great. And this year, he went from good to great. And you saw that way before. And, and, and you're you're more of a uh, bigger positive guy than than I am when it comes to uh, looking at younger players. And you're definitely right there. The one thing I didn't I think he drew drew. I didn't think he'd yeah. be this good. Like I thought he was gonna. I thought he could be at least a 25 goal, 75 point guy. I thought at the start of the 15, 16 season, Todd's first year as coach, in preseason, he had earned a spot on the team. I didn't like that they sent him down. He went down for six games. He wasn't that good in those six games down there. It was no, just because of injury. You know, just because of injury, he got recalled. That's the only reason why he came back up. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't want to be there. That's why he was so bad. But the, yeah. the, the one, the one thing about him, though, Bob. And we saw this early in. And there, there's not a guy that's harder on Leon Dreisaitl than Leon right. Dreisaitl. Um, and then this year, or last, well, last few years, his off-season training, you know, the guy traveled to, to Prague uh, this season to go with his trainer and work out there. 
and his his if you see his Instagram, his his off season uh, off ice training is is ridiculous. But I asked him this year, Bob. We were in Tampa, and I said, "How do you go from good to great?" Because you've done that. And he said, "You got to work on your strengths." And I said, "You mean your weaknesses?" And he goes, "No, no, your strengths." He said, "You got to know what got you here and what's going to keep you here. You got to know who you are as a player." He said, when you watch me on the ice, what do you see in practice? I said, well, you're always putting the puck in your feet. You're always flipping that backhand pass. And he goes, exactly. And I said, you're always, and you're always doing things up when, you know, in, in the middle where you're in tight, quick hand movement, boom, quick shot. And he goes, exactly. He goes, those are my strengths. i got to work on my strengths. He said, because, yes, you got to work on your weaknesses as well. But if you work on your strengths and you develop those into being the best you can be at that particular point in, in that particular skill, it's pretty hard for them to say, well, you, you, we're going to stop you at that because I'm going to be better at that than, than you are defending. It's like Vince Lombardi and running the, uh, the Packer sweep. Everybody in the world knew they were going to run it, but they ran it better than the, anybody could defend. Um, it's, like, it's like Mike Tyson. When Mike Tyson, and by the way, go, on, go, on watch, go online and watch Mike Tyson to this day hit the, hit the pad. I couldn't Phenomenal. believe the speed the other day. Unbelievable, right? Unbelievable. Wow, 50, what is he, so, 53? 53 years old, he's just deadly. So it's like, it's got great boxers knowing what is their, what is their go-to, what is their strengths. Floyd Mayweather Jr., being able to flip punches and then drag you into deeper water as the fight goes on. Leon Dreisel, being able to pick the puck up in his skates, being able to put himself in position to shoot the puck and get it off his hands quickly. Um, so many good things about Leon, but that Leon has made himself the Hart Trophy winner by nothing but hard work and working on his strengths. And there's one determination more, is a big factor. There's one more theory I have on this, and that's that, you know, Todd McClellan used to talk about, you know, go to Leon. Connor doesn't have to be the best player on the team. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but I don't think anybody's benefited more from having Connor to practice with and to I push agree. him. The, the, but you got to have the right per. You got your personality has to be. I can be better than this guy, or I can be as good as this guy, instead of just conceding. I'll never be as good as this guy, and I think that's something that's helped Leon. I agree, and I think the also the other thing is, you've got to have those two individuals have to have that healthy rivalry. They have to enjoy each other and know that that each guy brings something special, and they're welcoming to that. It can't be. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Sentiment. It can't be. I'm afraid this guy might take my job or be better than me. I agree with you. Both guys Drew, are unbelievable attitudes. Drew, love the energy. Uh, never want to get into a gym with you. 
I, I'm, <laughs> I might be able to get one in. I better make it count yeah. because. Uh, hey, Brian, you know what? We're talking about Mike Tyson fighting. You know what? I, I know enough about fighting to know that what I don't know is going to get me hurt. That's all. I, that's all it is. Well, uh, for those that don't, you're still train. Are you still? Uh, are you able to train at the gym or what? No, no, gyms are closed. So I'm, I'm old man running and uh, you know old man workouts. All right, there you go, Drew. We'll, we'll touch base the next couple of weeks. Thanks for your time, man. Okay, buddy. Good talking to you. Bye. bye You bet. Uh, from uh, NHL Hockey and Rogers and Sportsnet, that's Drew Remenda. He's our Oilers now headliner. Brought to you by Touchback Safety. Touchback remains open from for training and taking all necessary precautions to ensure the safety of their staff and their clients. And uh, I, I, I agree with Drew. I think it's incumbent upon Gary Bettman to be exhaustive in looking at ways to potentially play. And I know you're at the mercy of a uh, a bigger cause and a bigger issue. And it's societal, and we have to deal with it, and it's across the world. But you still got to grind away and work and, and, in theory, come up with the potential options moving forward. I'm with Drew as well. I don't have a vote uh, for the MVP. I do for the coach of the year. If the season do- if we don't get back, even if we get back, we're probably only looking at seven regular season games for each team. Six in the case of the Central. Dreisaitl is probably going to win the Hart Trophy. He deserves it. It's a great story, and it's excellent for the Edmonton Oilers as now. Uh, Drew Remenda is our Oilers now headliner, brought to you by Touchback Safety. Again, Touchback remains open for training. They're taking all necessary precautions to ensure the safety of their staff and clients. Guess what we're going to do at 1 o'clock? We've not done this, Brendan Escott, in the last seven weeks. We're going to get to your text. And your calls on the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. And you can text us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. We're going to go interactive. couple questions for you. What do you think? Should the league play? And I'm not talking about the next three weeks or in a month. I'm talking in August. Do you think will have a resolution to the 1920 season. And will Leon Dreisaitl win the Hart Trophy? Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.